You're listening to Do That Well with your hosts, Brenda Brown and Karen Thrall, a podcast about real experiences and how to turn them into life lessons. Unscripted, honest, funny, genuine, and passionate. A series of conversations where we explore every aspect of human interaction and provoke each other to do life well. Uh, For those of you that have been listening weekly, and we hope you are, uh, we last week talked about how it is now Black History Month, the month of February. And as a continuation to celebrate Black History Month, Karen and I are going to share a couple Black people that we find inspiring and essentially just talk about them and... (laughs) and talk about how amazing they are in the hopes that this is some new information to you all and that you'll also get to learn alongside us. Mm -hmm. I I think they're great role models too, as well. And uh, I think they have a legendary, they have that legendary thing about them. So it's something that they're like, you would just said they're, we're adding them. They'll be added to the history pages as well. I, I, I tend to agree, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So today I'm going to start by sharing with Karen some information about an individual uh, who will not quite yet be named. I'll get there. Um, <laughs> and and so this is a, a person that actually recently passed away this year in January, on January 18th. And their name is Andre Leon Talley. And he is a black man that is very well known for essentially being a wave maker and uh, really just influential figure within the fashion industry uh, predominantly. So first off, I'm just curious, Karen, do you know who Andre Leon Talley is? Of, I know of, and it's, that's about it. Okay, so I, like, I, I know fashion, Andre. There we go. <laughs> but I can't wait to I can't wait to learn more. <laughs> so I will admit uh, that honestly, when I saw that he had passed away last month, I did know who he was. I knew mm-hmm. that he had been affiliated with Vogue. I knew that he had been on um, America's Top Next Top Model. Mm-hmm. You know, and and much like yourself, Karen, I knew that he was associated, you know, with fashion within the fashion world. But I actually personally did not know um, how much of a figurehead he was within that space until I started researching more and reading more about his life um, and, and gathering more information. So just right off the bat, I kind of want to bring up like, you know, going off of the conversation we had in our last episode, even just in that, you can see how, you know, this person just passed away last month. So we had this like living legend Mm -hmm. and this influential person within the fashion space. And even then, I don't know that his praises were sung as like wide and far as they may have been had he been a person of a different color. Now that is just like an assumption that I'm making. I'm, you know, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not basing that on any reality. These are just like my feelings about it. But I think that that is, is eye opening just for me as an individual, for me Mm -hmm. to be like, wow, I did actually didn't even know 
how influential this human is. And, and this is like current history, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring that to the table. <laughs> that's, and that's great. Cause that you saying that trigger thought of me about um, the whole educating us and who would have thought that in black history month, we'd be educated in the area of fashion. We usually think, you know, civil rights or, you know, we naturally go to the, those big heroes, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. And, but we're in the fashion industry and history has been made there as well. So it's, we're getting educated even in these parts of the United States and being an American are very important. You know, fashion is a big thing for us in, in the United States. So Right. So as I mentioned, he, he sadly did pass away last month at the age of 73. So we lost a great one last month. Um, but Andrew Leontali, he was an American fashion journalist, stylist, oh. creative director, and he was the editor-at-large of Vogue magazine for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in Washington, D.C. and went to Brown University, where he actually studied French literature, which I find very oh. interesting because yeah. like, what a leap to take from, you know, studying French literature. Originally, he intended to teach. He was going to teach French and mm-hmm. uh, or French literature, you know in French about French literature. And then he found himself making this, you know, illustrious career in fashion. So I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. So has literature always been a a passion of his? Yeah, definitely. So that's something that kind of led him into Vogue. I would think like that was that passion for literature moved him into fashion. Yeah, exactly. I think that passion for literature then was what led him to, you know, be a journalist and write. Mm-hmm. And then as he continued on that path, he eventually found this, this niche that really worked for him within the fashion world. Mm-hmm. Um, so after he graduated from school, he did an internship Um and we, we, I, won't, I won't get into all of the specifics because there's a lot of information. So if you're interested, I highly encourage you to look further into it. But we'll just leave it at he did an internship. And when he was doing this internship, uh, he caught the eye of an editor at Vogue at the time who then um, offered to get him writing, essentially. So that was sort of his leg in the door. Um which is so funny or not funny. That's not the right word, but I find it interesting because again, he was studying French literature. Then just by having friends that were like, Hey, do this internship. He just kept carving his way until he found himself in, in this little, again, niche of fashion um, and, you know, editorial fashion specifically. But it makes me think about the conversations that you and I, Karen, have had about different seasons and chapters of our lives and how all these things that we do in their life, are it's all a chapter and it's all going to somehow apply to whatever that next chapter in your life is going to be. Mm-hmm. So when I think of his journey, and as you said, there's like this literature through line, but you can see how in the end it was like it was all is all getting him to that place, right? Mm-hmm. So I find that very inspirational, personally. Mm-hmm. And it, it also reminds you to um, stay on that path because you don't, like, let's say he decided to 
do, I don't know, get a job as a chef or get a job running a dog kennel, (laughs) (laughs) something very, very contrary to his passion that, that those, those are detours, but somehow he stayed true to what he was naturally designed for. And it started with writing, it started with literature and it just is encouraging for all of us to remember whatever that thing is inside you stay on that path so that doors can open up. Definitely. Yeah. Good, good example of that. Exactly. And that's why, you know, this isn't even a big part of his story of who he is as an individual, but I find that there is inspiration in that um, as well, just to, as a reminder to ourselves to like, as you said, stay on that path. Don't give up really, really follow those passions and, and talk to people that you know about those passions too, because it was his, you know, his friends and his acquaintances and these connections that he had that eventually got him to where he was meant to be. So with that aside, Vogue. (laughs) So he was the magazine's fashion news director from 83 to 87. And then he was the first African-American male creative director from 88 to from 1988 to 1995. And then he was the uh, magazine Vogue's editor at large from 1998 to 2013. So he worked for Vogue for the better part of three decades, which is a very long time. Um, and, you know, as I just said, there were a lot of firsts there for him. He was the first black person to hold these roles at this company. So that in and of itself is a big deal. And, you know, definitely then paved the way for there to be other people, black people and other people of color in those roles at the magazine. Um, I also want to mention that he was six foot six. So he was also like a very just domineering presence. Um, But, you know, from what I have been able to ascertain, it seems that his personality was just as big um, and it just made for him being, you know, a very uh, big presence that a lot of people just enjoyed being around. So I think he was very charismatic in that way. That's so great. Um, so great. But, you know, when he entered into the fashion world, this would have been the late 70s when he was first interning and things like that and first being within the fashion industry. And at that time, the fashion world in America specifically was still very predominantly white. So he really stood out within that industry, you know, mm-hmm. not only for the fact that he wasn't a white person, but he was also just physically large. Yeah. <laughs> so people yeah. knew him, um, <laughs> you know, and he was oftentimes the only black person that would be in the front row at all of these fashion shows as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I had to do something because I didn't, you're right. You didn't share any of your notes with me. So I did a quick peek. Oh, <laughs> Because I, you, you got me curious about. So I found a quote from him, yeah. and it fits here. And it fits here because I literally, okay, people listening, I literally did it in her introduction while you were, while you were recording the intro. Because I went, oh, because I had this question. I, I, oh, I wonder. And then you just, you just uh, kind of led into the, my question. Oh, you perfect. know, being the the only black man, black person possibly six foot six. It was predominantly a white industry, white people industry. 
in the 70s. And, I was, and my question was, had he ever experienced prejudice? So I found this quote, and I think this would be a great place, because even someone with his charisma, his charm, his intelligence, his education, his experience, everything, he too still experienced prejudice. Right. And he said, I have experienced racism all my life as any black man does. It shows that even in the glamorous world of fashion, there is racism. And so you think about how he also was forerunning, tearing that down. Mm -hmm. Like he was a forerunner in the fashion industry to help tear down the walls of prejudice and racism. Right. He was just doing his job. He was being Mm -hmm. himself. He was doing what he loves to do. Yet there was this also side purpose that he, he didn't ask it. It it found him. Right. You know, he'd found him. And I thought, so I just had to share that because I was, that was my big question. (laughs) uh, Okay. So keep going. (laughs) So I actually love that you brought up that quote just now, because I also had a quote that I wanted to bring up now. And I think that is a perfect, they go really well together. So to touch on what you're saying, Karen, yes, he did still face some adversity and some, you know, prejudice within the fashion world. And he was very aware of the fact that he was setting an example. Um, And there was a documentary called The Gospel According to Andre. And in that documentary, he says, you don't get up and say, look, I'm black and I'm proud. You just do it and it impacts the culture. Mm. And I really liked that quote. Um, because I think that, I just think it's a really nice sentiment. I like that he's, you know, showing in that, that he is aware of what he's doing. He's aware that just by his presence being in that space, it's going to have an impact and it's going to impact the culture. But I also like that he's saying, you, you know, I don't need to be out here with my hands waving saying, look, look, I'm black and I'm proud. He's just, he knows that just by merely having his presence there, that it's impactful. And I think that is so powerful that he was that aware um, of what just him being there was bringing to that space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You should say that because this week, like in real time and while, like just the days building, uh, leading up to this recording, um, I have been reflecting on that quiet presence Sometimes, sometimes you don't have to say anything, but don't lose your power. Don't lose your confidence. Just let yourself be in the moment, be in where you are and allow that to be the shining example instead of, because, or me, us, many of us, we're quick to be defensive and listening to what you just said, Andre, he didn't take that position. He took a position of proactive or confidence or just action, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I agree, Karen. I, I really like that the confidence, as you just said, I think that's a really good word for it. You know, just this, the fact that he was secure enough in himself to, to just show up and be, and he knew that it was having an impact. He knew he was setting an example, but he was secure in that. So I think that's really, again, I just find that very inspirational. Mm -hmm. Love to be a fly on the wall and listen to his conversations. 
it was the 70s, 80s, 90s. Yes. You know, 2000s. Definitely. Boy, I'd love to hear him at dinner parties with his closest friends talking about the influence that kept continued to build in him and build in him just steadily, consistently growing, you know, year after year. And what he what he saw, what he witnessed, what he experienced. Right. And because there was so much change that happened in those years, yeah. um, just as a society and then was yeah. specifically within fashion as well. So I, I bet those were, I would also yeah. love to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> One of those yeah. conversations, I'm sure, was very interesting. Um, so he also was really well known for advocating for other um, people within the fashion space that were people of color. Um just to, to name a few, he was one of the very first people, or he was the first person, excuse me, to ever write about um, the designer LaQueen Smith and other designers of color. Um, he styled American tennis player Serena Williams uh, in his designs. He introduced Michelle Obama to a Taiwanese Canadian designer, uh, Jason Wu. You might have heard of him, maybe. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, he... Tally definitely was out there advocating for other people of color to be in the fashion space. Uh, and he used his influence to, you know, continue to further those those names that were smaller that now are, you know, quite, quite big. So another thing that's not necessarily specific to him being a black person, but I did find this interesting, was in 2007, he was ranked 45th in Out Magazine's 50 Most Powerful Gay Men and Women in America. So, And what year? What year was that? In 2007. 2007. So I thought that this was just an interesting mm. supplemental point or factoid mm. about his life, because not only was he out there being a forerunner um, as a black man, achieving all of these firsts within the editorial world at Vogue, but he was also very influential because he was a gay man. So, mm. you know, he has this very layered, uh, mm -hmm. just, but it, yeah, it's like, <laughs> right. And it's the, it's the first, you know, he, he has, who would have thought when he was little, he'd be a forerunner that he would be leading the way by just being himself. Right. It's very exciting to hear what he did silently. Or, well, maybe not silently, but what he did. He wasn't silent. There was no way. But No, but I know what you mean. It's, yeah. It wasn't necessarily silent, but he, he wasn't overt either, right? right? right. So, yeah. and, and I do think there's something to be said for that. I, I know that we've talked about this idea of the quiet achiever in right. some of our other yeah. um, podcast episodes that we've done. And again, I don't, I don't think he was silent or quiet necessarily, but right. it still evokes that same sentiment. I think personally, um, just the sense that again, because he wasn't out there shouting from the rooftops, he wasn't super overt about any of this. And so, um, yes. There, there is a little bit of a, a quiet achiever. It, it just reminds you that uh, like it's something we can all aspire as well as in your own life. Where are you a quiet achiever? And don't underestimate its power. Right. Don't underestimate that you're coming in under the ranks. Like he was in the top 50, not the top five. Right. 
his, he was in the top 50. So he was, he was in there in this melting pot of 50 most powerful leaders, you know, and, but his legacy because of that quiet achiever with a big personality. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I know we are starting to reach the end of our episode, but I just have a couple other things I wanted to share about Andre Leon Talley real quickly. Um, So this is just a fun thing, (laughs) but he was very well known for having uh, and wearing extravagant like capes and caftans and robes. It was a bit of his signature look. Uh, which I just think is really fun because again, it goes along with this idea of this like six foot six man that's a big presence. And he's wearing these really like lavish capes and robes and captains and just being such a unique individual. And I just think that there's so much to be celebrated in that regardless of what color or race Mm -hmm. you are, you know, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's just something to be celebrated for being yourself. Yeah. For just being authentic and not worrying about what other people are, you know, going to think. Um, So I just think that that tidbit just gives you a little bit more information about who he was and the confidence that he had. And how successful, like, he wore extravagant clothing and it didn't minimize his success. Right. You know, we, we tend, we can be very apologetic as a culture, a self-apologetic, you know, where we're, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I look, I look like this or whatever, you know, and this is another shout out to all of us. The more you just, just be the expression of who you are. I think it's more freeing and you more opportunities open up because people recognize authentic. They recognize it. They they're drawn to it. It's the real thing. You're not going to fool me. Like you're the real deal. And, and people are really drawn to that. So this is very inspiring for all of us to remember just, you can really truly be yourself and, and allow yourself to create wonderful success for your life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so one more thing, and then I will wrap up. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Andre Leontali was a judge on America's Next Top Model. And there was a particular cycle uh, season <laughs> that he was in where there was a black model who had done one of the shoots and uh, her poses that she had chose were getting a lot of negative feedback from the other judges on the show. And when it was Andre's turn to say something about the photos, he went against what all the other judges had been saying and was like, actually, I think this is really beautiful. And, you know, here's my X, Y, and Z reasons why. But the reason that that's important is because America's Next Top Model up until that point had kind of had a bit of a reputation for the judges being pretty harsh. Um, And in that particular episode, none of the other models had really received harsh judgment. It was only this black model that had been receiving harsh judgment. Um, And by Andre Leon Talley saying a more positive thing and really actually encouraging these choices that this black model had made, it in a way paved uh, a new era of, of like mm-hmm. feedback from the judges because he would always really like lead with kindness. And sometimes he had negative feedback, but he was always very constructive with the way that he would present it. He was really on the model's side and 
formerly a lot of judges weren't that way. So that was also cool too, that when he was a judge on America's Top Model, he also in the, he was only there for, what was it? Four seasons, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. He was on the show for four seasons. And in that time, he brought like a different energy to the show that it didn't have before where he was more like with the models and would really advocate for them, especially when they were models that were um, persons of color. So I think that's really cool too. this idea that he, he, from what I can surmise, it seemed like he was the kind of individual that would really lead with like kindness. Um, Obviously I don't know him personally. This is all (laughs) what I've read on the internet, but you know, it seems like I've I've had a hard time finding very much negative stuff about him. It mm. seems like he was really a, a a person that brought a lot of good energy into the world. Mm. So, and there's a good lesson too. Um, he is so comfortable in his so confident in his lens, and his lens was very empowering. And he could have been the the only one that disagreed, he could have adjusted himself and softened it just so that he could be in alignment with his fellow judges. But he, he, in his quiet confidence and being so comfortable in himself, he was able to go against the grain. Right. And that going against the grain empowered another woman to excel and then adapt and change actually how, how the judging the, the model's continued on so there's this thing about it's a ripple effect mm-hmm. you know the more you're comfortable in yourself the more you're very have this quiet confidence this quiet self-assuredness you're in alignment with the things like that you know are so important to you all of a sudden you know you're paying it forward and you're right. giving it away to other people and it's going to be really powerful so yeah mm-hmm. uh this this was my little mini uh, <laughs> history lesson on Andre Leon Talley. But I just wanted to end by saying, uh, for me, what I think is really uh, cool, I don't know, for lack of a better word, we'll just go with cool. What I think is really cool about learning more about Andrew, Andre and, and reading more about, you know, his contribution to society Um is that you can see that there are all of these other ways and we've talked about them in this last half hour. There's all these other ways that he was just a very inspirational human, right? Like, yes, he had some cool things that he did and he had some things that he did as far as making strides within black history, being the first black man that was the you know editor in chief at Vogue, so on and so forth. But in addition to that, there were just all of these amazing traits that he possessed as a human, regardless of, of anything else, just mm-hmm. human, right? Mm-hmm. That are really inspirational and, in my opinion, are really admirable and things that I would hope to see myself do more of in my own life, like this quiet confidence, this mm-hmm. idea that when you stay true mm-hmm. to what it is you love, your passion, that you can find yourself going through these different chapters, but landing in a place that you're meant to be, right? There are all these other parts of his life that I think are so inspirational that Mm -hmm. are not necessarily tied to the fact that he was a a black man. So I think Mm -hmm. that's really, really fascinating and very Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. I do too. And, And that is the whole Black History Month is the pages, the history pages are interwoven into all of our pages 
right. so, you know, last week, that was really what struck out, stuck out for me was all these history pages belong to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they all belong. They, they're all woven together. And this is another example of it. Exactly. It has nothing to do with the color of his skin. No, he just was an amazing individual. Yeah. Yeah. So then we, and we get to honor him during black history month. <laughs> and always. <laughs> yeah. And always. Yeah. Uh, so that, that is my episode for you today. Thank you for, for bearing with me, Karen. I know that, that I gave great. you no press, <laughs> no notes. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to tell you about this person. <laughs> oh man. It was great though. Thank you. Really. I loved it. And next week's my turn. So I've got somebody that we'd, I'd love to talk about next week. Yes. The tables will be turned. I won't know what's going on. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And as always, we'll be back next week with another episode of Do That Well. Bye-bye.